Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Takecast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by professional skateboarder and uh, noted author, Walker Ryan. He just had a new book come out entitled Off Clark. It is sort of a follow-up to his original novel, Top of Mason. Links to purchase those books are in the description of this podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed having Walker on the program, kind of picking his brain about the world of professional skateboarding and how that translates to fiction. Had a great time talking to him, one of my absolute favorite guests on the program. So I hope that you guys read his books. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And uh, if you want to support this program, please subscribe to patreon.com slash takecast. You can get bonus episodes of this show and support its continued creation. You can tell a friend about the program. That's always useful and helpful. Or you can leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone. Very hyped. Uh, very excited about this to welcome back to the program one Mr. Walker Ryan. He has authored Another book, uh, we, I guess it would have been pretty deep pandemic times when we, uh, when I brought you on to talk about your first book and, uh, a new book off Clark has been written and gotta be the first time in skateboarding history, a new video part came out to promote a book release. It's gotta be, that's gotta be a first. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks so much for having me back. It's a pleasure, Davis. Um, yeah, I, I maybe, I don't know. I, I thought it was definitely like something I was thinking, oh, these two things could line up. Let's see how how this works. If there's a, if there's any connection that people will be hyped on, uh, video part, book. I'm not sure if there is. I feel like people who are into the book is one thing. People who are into the video part sure. is totally other thing. But, you know, I thought why not, why not seize some, uh, you know, some exposure that might be happening on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So the first book you wrote, Top of Mason, great book. If you guys are interested in it, you should go read it. I'll have links to purchase all this stuff in the description. The new book is called Off Clark. And I didn't read any, you know, reviews. I didn't know anything about it. It's like, I, yeah, I'm going to read this for sure. I was very surprised to like get into it and realize it's not about the same dude. This is not, this is not a sequel. It, obviously it's still, you know, in the world of professional skateboarding. So that is sort of interesting because top of Mason ends. There's plenty of different ways it could have gone, right? Yeah. And uh, so, what was what was just? I mean, what's sort of the the thought process like? What was your what was your research like writing off Clark? 
Well, so I really wanted to tell a story that had to do with a traveling professional skateboarder. So much of my experience as a in, in the skateboarding industry has been rooted in exploring, traveling, and the weird situations you get into when you're just on the road. And since San since Tapa Mason was such a San Francisco focused story, and the skaters in in that story are so San Francisco based. And really, like San Francisco is almost a character in itself, like so much of the story is driven by that city. Um, for the second book, I really wanted to just have a whole new set of characters and a whole different adventure that happens. And my, you know, my plan is to have the characters that I write about in each novel, like maybe intersect and pop in and out you know like in this new one there's a, a little mention yeah, of i was some gonna of say the there's like one little mention of the guy yeah. from the first book right yeah my, my, i hope to someday bring them all together into some kind of like wild story uh we'll see it's still per the, the ideas are still percolating but basically for the story i wanted to tell it just didn't really work for the characters that exist in top of mason so i just brought in a few few new ones and uh yeah that was that's basically that's that's the motivation there. Yeah. And so, I mean, so well, I'm drawing a little bit on other interviews you've done. I'm going to try, I'm going to yeah. try and not ask you the exact same things that oh, the nightclub guys yeah. asked you and yeah. stuff. So, you know, something it helps you've, talked you've about, actually read it. <laughs> I, well, a lot of times I get interviewed by people <laughs> who haven't read it. So I really appreciate this. You know, that's actually it. like, that, that's so, as someone who really likes to read and really likes is interested in the authors, like um, David Foster Wallace would always say this because he did a huge book tour after he wrote Infinite Jest. Uh -huh. And basically he realized like a a week into doing this press junket, he's like, no one's read my book, man. I wrote this. <laughs> he realized he's like, I wrote this like 900 page book and I'm doing all these press tours and no one's read it. So I'm answering the same questions and they're always, they're responding in the same way. So I, I've, I've always tried to do that when I have people on to talk about their book. Most That's of the time awesome. it's just because I've read their book and then I'm like, well, I wonder if this person would do my show because their book was yeah. really good. But so something you've talked about is professional skateboarding is just so weird. And 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 most people in skateboarding, like probably average dude at the skate park, doesn't really realize how weird the world of professional skateboarding is. But then totally. a normal person who's just working their normal gig and they're like, professional skateboarding, like, what is that? How do you get paid? Who pays you? Do you have health insurance? Like what? That, I mean, that is I, I feel like sort of you're kind of uniquely like lucky in that way. Like you have got all this great source material that no one has any clue about. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, I, I wanted to basically for anyone who asks me that question, which I've been asked my entire life or ever since I sort of started on the pro skating track, um, you know, when they ask me, well, what what does it mean? Uh, I can just hand them this book now. They're like, get through the book. You'll, you'll get a gist. You'll figure it. it out. Yeah. No. So I yeah. So through the character, Nina, who's like, you know, and in creating an investig investigative podcast about this skateboarder who disappeared she, i get to you know through her sort of reveal some of the things that i i feel like would be interesting to somebody who's like totally jumping in trying to figure it all out and so there's a little bit i get to have fun in that in that sense of like explain some things hopefully not over explain but like from the perspective of someone who who maybe knew, knew nothing going in and get at some of the things that i think are the most interesting like you know they're all 1099 contractors they just are expected to be sort of these like self-marketing 
people who just promote themselves through videos and it doesn't really make sense. Like, what do you mean videos? Like, why don't you compete? And then, you know, tying in a plot point that I've talked about before. So I don't think it's spoiling anything. The fact that this pro skater gets, you know, approached by a CIA agent who doesn't really buy the pro skating thing. And like, that is based on something that's really happened to one of my friends. And I feel like it's really hard. It was hard for him to explain in this real life situation, like, okay, yeah, I'm not in any competition. Yeah, I don't compete, but I'm I'm like traveling to all these countries for a reason. And he's like, Iran, Somalia, West Africa, all over the Middle East, why? And so the character in this novel also has that sort of lifestyle, which I was d doing too. Like, you know, I had a friend, Patrick Walner. I have a friend, Patrick Walner, who was just dead set on making skate videos that take place in countries that we've never seen skate that you wouldn't from. go to and you wouldn't really go to so it was all about just like going there and making it happen and we would get our sponsors to help us pay pay for it sometimes it would be sponsored by red bull in its entirety and that was it's weird to say but that was the gig you know <laughs> and so pretty good work if you can get it right yeah it was fun and, and sketchy sometimes you know sometimes i was super uncomfortable sometimes i would just pass things up like no nah, i don't really want to go to north korea with you again i mean i'm not again like he my friend had been several times and i was just like no i'm good or He's like, been, uh, your, your buddy has been skateboarding in north korea yeah, he's done multiple skate trips to North Korea or trips where he then skates a little skates. bit, but it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I mean, that's unreal. Yeah, I mean, he went to every country on the Eurasian continent. So in Europe and Asia, he went to every single country and, and put out a book. So he uh, because he was on this quest um, to check off every country, you know, he would invite skaters like me to go on to sort of make give it give it a reason for him to make some money from it. <laughs> And just, you know, motivation to make it more fun. And so, yeah, that was a big reason we went to a lot of places. Like, and in the novel, Oman is one of those countries where we went. And I can't say I'd even heard of Oman before. I was basically, like, planning right. the trip, you know. So. So the, the I, I mean, I was going to ask about inspirations for this main character. The, the, the mental image I got in my head, and uh, he is, uh, he's Middle Eastern, right? He is, I guess his dad is Syrian. Is that, yeah. is that correct? So, but what I had in my head was, I, and I know you'll know this, is Kenny Reed writing the postcard in front of the pyramids and static two to Paul Shear. <laughs> that for me, I was like, that's this dude. It's like, this I is the guy that. who's just like sending postcards to his mates when he's like no sliding in front of the pyramids in Giza. Yeah. hundred percent. Like a, I, I like to say a Kenny Reed of this era, like someone who's like, so let's say his 20s, had the Kenny Reed approach and has decided he doesn't want to do the social media thing. So there's a couple of pro skaters who don't do social media. Um, Wes Kramer, Jake Johnson, those kind of guys. Oh. So they're elusive. So you really like it's easy to just, you know, in this day and age, if you're interested in a in a professional skateboarder, any person really, you can just you can see what they're up to most of their life, you know. But there's a few guys who've maintained sort of some mystery to them. And Kenny Reed was definitely that person, but that was normal and everyone had some mystery to them. But he was traveling constantly. So it's sort of like those two worlds. And Kenny's a good friend too. And so there's like a, you know, I got to know him well. And he he really, he really did have this sort of pure he's I, I say did because he's not really traveling 
professionally anymore. He's, he's a coach um, and, and still travels, but he's got a family and stuff, but he really did have this like pure, like need to discover and really interact with the people he was, you know, meeting along the way, local skaters, and he would spend time and he, he really did the nomad thing for real. Like I, I was a nomad for like basically five, six years, like not living anywhere, but I I don't know. I would go on like a two week trip uh, and I would come back and I would like go on a month long trip and come back and, and he would really kind of like hit the road. So that was the motivation for, for Mo, this character where it's like, it's the 2020s and or the 20 teens. I can't remember exactly when I said it. Oh yeah. It was all, it was definitely 20 late 20 teens. And, uh, he's you know you never know where he's at so when the film when he hits up the film are like hey meet me here we're gonna make a video you know that's that's all you get <laughs> you want to you want to talk about things that are hard to explain explaining being a professional skateboarder is hard but imagine explaining being a professional skateboard filmer for totally I, I feel like i feel like that is which is like kind of delved into in the book and this character richie mm -hmm. but i obviously like he's not the uh the investigative focus but that is I mean, that's a whole other thing of like, you know, yeah. being a 1099 contractor, but like you have to supply the gear and you got to, yep. and I mean, now like Instagram really has, and I think we talked about this a little bit, maybe the last time we did this, but like Instagram and it's even more so now, like yeah. Instagram has changed the complexity of skateboarding so much because I, I, I would assume, cause I, I hear about these guys, uh, you know, these, these dudes have like YouTube channels and stuff who I've mm -hmm. never seen skate who don't have, you know, are, are, you know, didn't never got flowed boards or whatever, but like, they're just as much of a pro skater as Eric Costin or whatever, because they make a living off skateboarding, but right. they didn't have to get co-signed by anyone basically because of Instagram. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. I mean, the filmer, I, I feel for filmers the most because they are really the reason that any pro skater has a career yet they're the most underappreciated in this weird way like by the industry it's really difficult for filmers to get jobs like like real salary jobs i mean everyone sort of i mean i should have gone more into the into it in the book but like the way the economy of a, of a like a film skate filmer works is you you film a guy it might take 10 minutes it might take like 4 hours or multiple days and then the clip sort of hangs in limbo until it ends up in a video. And then maybe you get like 50 bucks or maybe you get like a hundred bucks, you know, and that could, it could be like years down the line like from the day that you filmed it. Some companies work a little bit more responsibly. I should, I want to say like they will give filmers day rates. And so then it's just like, whatever they film that day that goes to the company and that's that. But so much happens in this, fuzzy oh but we're homies and we're just hanging out anyway and like this is what you want to do and and companies take advantage of that for sure because they're like oh yeah he just he wants to he wants to do that so if he wants to film our guys who we actually pay yeah um, that's fine and he, and then, he gets exposure because we put his name at the end of the video yeah yeah and then that's and that's that and so that's happened a lot and and the character richie i'm thinking of as one of those guys so it's like he and mo they make these projects together they're very much passion projects they can make money from them but it's it's you know not what they deserve necessarily but richie still has to work like a normal job and that's the case for a lot of filmers i know and have worked with that it's just like it is something they love. It is something that they like are, you know, passionate about doing. But at the end of the day, it's it's just really hard to make a living from it.
now are even so like we we're talking about like 1099s and stuff are even like nike and adidas guys 1099s or do they get like you know like do these dudes have like if you have a shoe yeah like like does does like janoski have like he's gotta he's gotta have a better i mean he's got one of the best maybe he's not a good example because he's got like this amazing best-selling like crossover success shoe but that i mean that would be crazy to me if like you know you've got naomi osaka in an ad with I don't know whoever I shot or something, you know, and yeah. then one of these pers- one of these people is getting paid millions of dollars, and this other dude is just getting a stipend when he turns in clips. Yeah, I mean, for are you, you're talking about the skaters? Yeah, yeah, for, skaters, for like yeah. the huge companies. Yeah, they skaters will still get like they'll be 1099, but they will usually get a contract that is a monthly stipend. So that's sort of like set, and it can be you know a thousand bucks a month, or it can be like you know fifty. Um, and some of those big companies do pay their skaters really well, but I think they are still just independent contractors. Like they're not employees by any means. Um, so no health insurance and no benefits, you know, there's still, there's, there's still a barrier from being an actual, like properly compensated, uh, worker, <laughs> which is, which is crazy. Um, yeah. so in, inside, inside the book, uh this character nina who is uh who ends up dating our our main character i i was just i don't think this is like super relevant but where where did the idea of a person being unwilling to fly because of their uh you know uh uh, greenhouse gas imprint like where where, what was that born out of so that was actually born from the same trip that inspired much of the um oman section the middle east section when i was in Jordan, I met some nonprofit workers. They had this, uh, this, I'm trying to think it was, I think it was called Apt Arts and they had like painted this skate park. Regardless, they had just talked to me about a friend of theirs who would have been there had they not made this commitment to never fly because of their, of the, of, you know, their greenhouse gas effect or, I mean, they're, um, right, right. You know, they're, their commitment to just like their commitment to the environment. Exactly. And so I just thought that was fascinating. And I know there's some, some people out there and I feel like Greta has maybe been that sort of person. There's a, but there's still not many people. It's definitely a little bit more popular, but at the time, this was 2015. It was just like, I'd never heard of that. And it, it really made me check myself. Cause I am, well, you know, I like try to, try to be good on that front. And I realized like, whoa, I fly all the time. Like how bad am I actually? And I just thought it would be an interesting love dynamic, a uh, dynamic for a love story where it's like, oh, I'm this traveling skateboarder. I'm like, so cool. But like from her eyes, who has made a commitment to like never fly because of, you know, these reasons, um, you know, that there's a little tension there. So I just thought that'd be interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, I, that, the the whole traveling skateboarder thing it, it's so funny i feel like the the traveling skateboarder is kind of this like uh you know romantic like trope maybe even mm-hmm. but then i mean and uh i you would actually be a perfect person to answer this so like skateboarders seem very cool on the surface a lot of the time and my experience is 70% of them are but you mm-hmm. also do meet a lot of skateboarders who like kind of suck to be around. They like, they, they, yeah. you know, a lot, they, they, a lot of them, uh, we talked about this last time, didn't go to college and like, just like social stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Skateboarders also drink a lot and, and smoke yeah. a lot of pot, which is yeah. talked about in the book, which is like, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it's like, 
every day or like the total center of mm -hmm. activities like that is like and i mean you also know this too like guys in skateboarding skateboard for a long time they're really good and then like no all they do is smoke weed and that just kind of becomes like their thing instead yeah totally yeah i mean it was always interesting traveling with some people sometimes who like we would get to a new country or state and like there was just this like absolute focus on like finding the weed guy you know and it was just like so silly it was like every it was like this heightened level of stress in the van until like they found the local who could like secure the weed and then it was like all right chill good vibes and um yeah i mean i think nowadays can you fly with weed i don't really know how it is i don't but, uh, i don't think you can in the united states because it's still because all the airports are run by the fed and it's still, oh so it's still fed, yeah, yeah okay. still federally yeah. illegal but because yeah. like so like the state i live in just got legalized marijuana and okay. i took a flight with my brother-in-law two weeks ago and we went to colorado and i was like oh are you gonna bring weed back He's like, no, mm. you can't take it on the plane. I was, which mm. I was kind of surprised. I was yeah, like, yeah. that's bizarre to me that you can't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's yeah. There's there's a lot of like, totally, you know, socially accepted, um, addictions. I I want to say that that are like free, like constant in this in the skateboarding industry, and also marketed. You know, so it's like whether it's booze or or weed, it's like becomes a, a part of like the skaters persona that is I feel like, like that promoted. I feel like that's toned down now though like I feel like yeah. mid mid 2000s like Baker Boys type that that was it was like a huge part of the marketing yeah. I feel like I feel like it, that's less I maybe even the other ways like sort of like the uh you know Huberman lifestyle stretching right and, like drinking yeah, water like... and stuff like I feel like that's actually I mean it's kind of big in society in general so skateboarding just mirrors that but yeah, that's totally. I feel like more serious now. Yeah, totally. But you know, I mean, you see these videos still where it's just like slow mo, like smoke in the, you know, like smoke coming out of the blunt. Smoke coming out of the blunt. Like little, it's just going up to the rail. To yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. I mean, so the process of filming a part as a professional yeah. skateboarder now. So you came out with this part, uh, textures. To, in order to promote the book what was the the last part you did was the wilshire one where all the yeah, clips were much. on wilshire so what was your i mean that's so different from how things and you get you get into this a little bit in the book you know the, they used to be these big hour-long artistic you know productions you'd have ty mm -hmm. evans blowing up mike mocapaldi and and yeah. cgi and skits and you know front salad back salad front blunt yeah and now it's you just are like, how do you film a part now? Like, do you is was it is it just you and a filmer, and you're coordinating on it? Like, what what is that even like now? Yeah, so it's just a bunch of you know an accumulation of days like today. Like, so I, I'm in New York right now. Um, I have a, a group of friends who are, you know, like always down to skate. Mark Suchu, Jack Fardell, and then a few random people are are in town, and you know, you hit up the filmer, Matt. Hey, you free to skate today yeah let's meet up so you know we we skate and i was able to film a clip tried a couple other things didn't work out and you know that one clip i hold on to until i have like 50 others you know i i try to right now i'll probably try to put something out once i get like 20 or something i want to put out like another little edit but you know that's kind of the gist it's like i started skating at 10 
I came home just before this. So like, you know, that's a eight hour day and you kind of just have to like, I, I am a very, um, I don't know how to, how to put it because it's like kind of a kooky trait, but it's also like, I feel like effective in like getting things done. It's like, I have like a, a bunch of things I want to do, you know, like I have a bunch of goals or spots I want to skate. A lot of skaters, you know, they just sort of like let the day take them where it takes them and they might feel inspired in the moment to film something or, you know, they just let it ride. But I have limited time to skate. So I'm just like, I want to do this and I want to do like five other things. And so I wanted to do one thing the few other things didn't really work. I kind of hurt myself. And so, you know, that's one thing I have and, and I'll just add it to the timeline. And so after a certain amount of time, you feel like, okay, I like how this is looking. I'm not a big person. A lot of people count like how many minutes they have. Like, all right, I got five minutes of footage. Like now let's make it a part. I like to count how many like clips I have. And so with this last part, once I felt like I had a good amount, you know, it, it had, been a weird 2020 2021 basically but 2022 i had a pretty good stride and like filmed a good amount of stuff it was all about just figuring out the last few things i needed and um yeah one of those trips once one of those tricks happened i was like okay cool i'm good this this feels complete the so, switch 360 backside flip yep the switch back 360 kickflip was a nightmare to get but uh once I had that, I felt good. And then it was all about like filling in the little get the little gaps. And this this part is different than because it, it felt like a production when we were filming the intro. We were in Sicily with my uh with my wife and my friend Patrick and his wife. And you know, we had this idea for a skit. And so we took that part very, you know, pretty seriously because we wanted to make like sort of a little mini movie feeling for the intro to the part. And, um, you know, getting that done was a big like, okay, cool. Now, now this really feels like something we can, we can start to finalize. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a labor of love and it's like, it's weird because in the last couple of years, I haven't been making a lot of money from sponsors. So this isn't expected of me, but it's just something I, I really love doing and I love watching videos. And as long as I'm able to like continue to skate at a certain level, like I want to, I want to put out videos it's like it's like these novels kind of you know like I just right I like the ask you know the start concept or just you know what sort of you're thinking on a daily what kind of like comes out of you and then you just like put it together in a complete little package so are you when you're organizing these things out like are do you have like a trick book like are you writing are you writing stuff out like okay I need I, you know, I, uh, like, I think I saw you talk about this on Instagram, the switch impossible over the bar. You're like, I want to do that trick for like five years. And then I finally found the spot. Like, is it, is it spots? Is it tricks? Like, how is that organized? Yeah, it's, it's a mixture. So like, sometimes it's just a trick that I want to do, like the switch back to kickflip or a switch impossible over something substantial. And then I just throw them out there whenever, whenever an opportunity comes up. So with the switch impossible, I had initially thought like, I got to do it over a picnic table and in Los Angeles. So when I was living in LA, I tried it several times and just couldn't do it. And then I'd be in France and there'd be a cool street gap or I'd be in London and there'd be a cool street gap or I'd be in, you know, San Francisco and there's a cool barrier to do it over. And then, you know, I would just, I would pick these battles and, and 
always lose them. <laughs> and so in New York, the one that I decided on was this rail at Union Square. And then I just went back like four, three or four times to to do it. And so that's like, you know, okay, cool. And even even that one, I'm still like not 100% satisfied with because it was a little sketchy, but it it happened that day. So I'll, no, I'll those are, play. those are the, I mean, those are the tricks that live the longest though. Right. It's like yeah. that where the, I'd where like... the landing is not exactly perfect. Like, you know, Brian Harmon hard flipping <laughs> down the stairs or uh, yeah. Hard flipping down the stairs and then running into the fence and doing the switch flip back off it. Like that's the stuff that right. lives forever, you know? Totally. I like that reference. Yeah. 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 The spontaneous things, the, the maybe messy, but you know, whatever character have, they have character. Um, you, you mentioned so yeah so it's it's gone no you go you go first because i was going to change oh, so the, i was, was going to change the train so, of thought so, that, so there are those tricks that like you know i'm set on doesn't really matter where it happens and then you know depending on which city i'm in like in new york i'm just when i run errands i make i i find spots and have a spot book and i just have a like a, a massive archive of potential spots depending on the day and like some you know i don't it can just be so hit or miss. Like I want to skate this spot down the street, but there's always a car in the way. So you just have to wait and you just have to like find that time when you're with the filmer and you're passing by and there's no car and it's a good, it's a go. Or like, you know, you get kicked out normally in the first two minutes and some days you get 10 minutes. So it's just about having like a massive, for me, it's about having like a massive list of spots where, you know, I just want to try to skate them because they're cool. And then seeing what you can get in those like limited, um, amounts of time i feel like skating in new york just ask for a professional skateboarder i feel like that's like a capital c choice like it's harder to skate in new york city than it is if you live in los angeles where there are perfect spots all the time like you know where you can and can't like you you kind of know where you can skate in los angeles whereas in new york it yeah it's honestly i think new york is the best skate city in the world i think it's so it's actually it's it seems overwhelming in that way and it can it can feel like that at times but really there is so much here there are so many parks that are just like open not skate parks just parks that have spots there are so many just random areas that you can explore like it's just so endless like if i was really here just like full time for years at a time like I'm sure I would get sick of it, but there would also be so much to get done because on any given day, you can just like, you can hit 30 spots. Whereas in LA, you might have that one spot that you know you can skate, but it's around nothing else, you know? So it's, it's yeah, you got to drive 45 minutes there. Yeah. Whereas this, you can just get lost and end up having like the best day ever. And it's just so accessible in that way. So it's, it's, I would, it's a hard, um, Hard disagree there because I, I just love this. I love skating here so much um, compared to LA or, or most other places um, I've lived or been. It's really incredible. Well, I, and I guess maybe even more so like it, that's gotta be um, like, you know, you're established. You, you've been like a, a capital S skateboarder for a long time. Like uh, a dude who's trying to make it right now although yeah. i guess has it i mean his instagram changed that like of like oh i turned 16 and i gotta move to california and go find someone to to go find a floor to sleep on until i get you know flow or whatever yeah. so like i i guess instagram has probably changed that convex i guess definitely yeah it's made it's made it so much easier to make a name for yourself no matter where you are in the world 
you know, just post your clips and make them go viral and people start taking notice, you know, or you, or you, you know, you create a sort of dedicated fan base, which can, can happen for a lot of these kids too. Right. Okay. So you mentioned, you mentioned Mark Suchu. How would you explain skater of the year? Like you were explaining it in the book, like if skater of the year came up in whatever your next novel is that you write, how would you break down explaining that to someone who like barely gets the concept of professional skateboarding? Man, that's a tough one because I feel like in some ways skater of the year is it's just a magazine that is known for being a very respected it's the magazine in skateboarding. It's the magazine now pretty much. And it's them their editorial board picking who they think is the best skater of the year who had the who had the best year who put out the best skateboarding so it's kind of as simple as that it's almost like thrasher turning someone pro for the year right um which just means like who do they who do they think you know like really embodies skateboarding for the year and it can mean all number of things but it usually means who put out the most progressive street skateboarding videos and um yeah mark was it in 2021 and you know i feel like it was due to his volume of, of video content but also the quality of the video content he was putting out and that's pretty much it you know he was up against the what it he was up against but basically the skate world wanted to either see yuto who had just won the olympics and put out some good video footage footage or mark who didn't compete in the olympics didn't you know do notably well in contest but he was very um prolific in what he put out on youtube which is weird to say but which that's is crazy what yeah what, to, four you know? four parts in december pretty much yeah yeah and um you know the the quality was just there so they made him skater of the year and it's kind of the same thing happened last year with tyshawn you know put out three very strong video parts with tricks that were i, I feel like what's needed for a skater of the year or historically what happens is they do something that pushes the envelope a little bit something that's like progressive enough that really hasn't happened so but it's totally up to thrasher you know so they're they're the ones they're the ones making the call it's it's a it's a weird yeah which is i mean which is is kind of crazy although i think taishan winning is actually an example of something that you get into in the book which is um so basically richie and mo are kind of trying to explain why contest skaters are different why they're a mm-hmm. different breed why filming a street part and, and up to a a lay person's brain they're like that makes no sense it's the same activity yeah. i don't get why doing this trick on a street corner in turkmenistan is cooler than doing it in tokyo in the olympics or whatever right and nija basically did put what he had like a 12 minute part he's like going up and over handrails and i think my guess would be a lay person you'd show them tyshawn stuff you'd show them nigel stuff back to back and you'd be like you gotta pick and i think a lay person would say oh you gotta go with nigel mm-hmm. you know he's yeah. he's he's uh he's got scars you know you're seeing him bleed and stuff and i i literally think for most people who probably think like you and i they see the kickflip over the subway and they're like, I don't even need to see anything else. Like that is yeah. just, that was so cool in and of itself. Like that's the thing. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I'm not gonna lie. When I saw Nigel's part, I was like, "Whoa!" I don't know how it's they unbelievable. To, I don't know how they won't be able to give it to him because he he really is completely pushing the envelope. Um, I think there could be an argument that you know it's it's similar to what he does in skate parks, like on big rails, which is like can dilute the experience of watching it. Maybe like you know, it's like oh, big nollie back heel into a back nolly heel into a back lip or so so there could be that argument but really it just comes down to subjective tastes and there's like an accessibility with Tyshawn skating I think where it's like I understand what a kickflip is but I do not understand how you can do it that far or that big and like I I can do a switch flip on the ground on the flat ground but like to do it over a can is insane in a line. So there's, there's sort of like that. He, he pushes the, they just push the envelope in two different ways. So it's kind of like up to you to, to pick what you, to pick prefer, what you like, you know? And I think Thrasher, you know, I, they, they picked Tyshawn. He's like more on brand. Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of just subjectivity there. So. Yeah. Which uh, is, which is in, in something that determines people's livelihoods, skateboarding, yeah. Cause you, you can't like that. That's such a huge part of it. Like if someone wants to be a professional football player, there's right. really no subjectivity in that. Like one of my friends, yeah. um, Patrick Laird, he is a running back in the NFL and yeah. it's, it's not like he goes to a meeting and he goes to practice and he's doing his thing. And it's not, the coaches are not going to be like, Oh yeah. You know, we just kind of like the, we like the, yeah. we like the way you run, bro. Like you're, we're going to, we're going to play you instead of, Rashad yeah. White because we just kind of like your vibe you know there's there's right. none of there's none of that whereas it's in stats, skateboarding right? yeah yeah it, that's the whole that's the whole thing you know it's yeah. like uh you, you know like the way Gino pushes I'll watch that dude do like you know no complies on flat ground just because I like the way he pushes his skateboard which sounds like clinically insane to someone outside of skateboarding totally yeah I mean that is the funniest thing to make that comparison like if you're a pro skater and almost a pro athlete in almost any other sport to be like well you know like the way he like dresses is just cooler it's just cooler or it's just like or like the style is just kind of like better like the tricks aren't as good but the style it's like what like why does that matter <laughs> so i yeah. feel like there's yeah it's it sounds pretty nuts yeah sure. it it does so yeah. um not to not to try and give you ideas for your next book, but I do think because oh, this is it. something. Well, this is no people don't really talk about this. You 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 get you're getting more of this now in our day and age where everyone's doing podcasts. But like, what happens when a pro skater is like forty two and can't real like some guys are still doing it. You know Reynolds yeah. very old heel flipping a triple set at forty three. It's yeah. like one of the like to me. It's like that's trick of the year for me because. Totally. That shouldn't even be like humanly possible, but like, um, you know, Cairo Foster retired and is not what well, he's the team manager of mob so, mob. There we go. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. like, and, and, you know, you hear of like, uh, like some of these guys, you know, they just like, they were kind of pros, but they didn't have a pro shoe or whatever. And then it's like, Oh, that guy's uh, you know, he works at the warehouse for the company he rode for or yeah. whatever, which, and you would hope these companies would do, good by a lot of their guys but a lot of them don't because they don't really have any incentive to right so what's the question oh okay so question would basically be uh i mean 
Like, what's the deal with that? I don't know. What's the what's oh. the what's the industry consensus? Do people talk about that? Do people think about that? Is that even are people even thinking about like what's coming next at all? Yeah, I mean, some. I feel like it's it's tough to say. I mean, it all just depends on personal relationships. You know, every every pro skater has sort of a different a different track. But the gist of it is is that pro skaters are like models. You know, you do some representing for the brand and then you're, you know, let's let's bring in the new hot chick or hot dude. You know, that's kind of like that's kind of just it. And I think the problem in skating is that there's a lot of this like, oh, we're family. Like there's so much like a name tied to a brand that like is kind of bullshit, in my opinion. It's like part of marketing. And it's it's sadly like how you'll feel as a pro skater. You're really like a part of something. But, you know, you're just you're just being used and as the, as part of their marketing and um if you're lucky you find a job within that company and that sometimes happens but uh from my experience it also doesn't happen a lot because there's only so many jobs like that and they're often filled by skaters who weren't spending time pro skating they were like you know working the industry angle and like finding jobs and then getting them and so that's sort of like the harsh reality of how the industry works, you know, and it's, you know, like as, as messed up as it, as it is, it's like these skaters want to do this, you know, <laughs> like they're seizing the opportunity, even if it's just to, to be paid for a couple years and to travel and, you know, like in a perfect world, they would be a little bit more set up, but they're just, you know, they're getting hired to represent a brand for a limited period of time. It's not necessarily a, as limited as like a model goes on a, sh as how a model might go on a shoot, but it sort of works sure. in that same kind of way. I, I, I mean, I guess it's like transactional in both yeah. ways. Like, like in one way, you know, skateboarders get like, they get to skateboard. That's what yeah. a skateboarder wants to do. And the company yeah. is getting, you know, whatever marginal marketing gains they're getting from being associated with that guy but it is i mean that is what what you just said kind of reminded me of like startup culture where it's like uh -huh. oh dude we're dude we're a family you gotta work <laughs> you gotta work overtime you gotta work weekends you gotta sleep in the office because we're family we're all in this together yeah. until we don't need you anymore and right. then we're not a family <laughs> which is i i yeah. never really made that connection before but which is kind of yeah. gross i actually kind of bummed me out to think of that yeah sorry uh, are you in the startup world mostly um uh, i it's kind of yeah basically okay, uh yeah. my my job is not like that it's not okay. it's it's but i i have so my job before i worked for this company was big startup culture like uh -huh. kind of not which is like which is gross startup culture is gross like grind set <laughs> culture entrepreneur culture angel like that's all so gross to me yeah 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 so um but yeah so go ahead um my wife's in works for a startup but she looks at skating as like the worst thing ever so if that says anything <laughs> uh, at, at like the at the tactics of the companies yeah just the way it all works and not just my experience but what she's you know what she sees and i'm so jaded by it because i've just been a part of it and i've followed it since i was a kid and i've sort of like you know been in that world so you you get used to certain things but so many of the practices are just pretty unethical <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there are, and like you i think there are like examples that anyone could point out of like this company did right by 
so and so and that right. you know that makes it better for when 10 guys don't get done right by yeah the company yeah. or like the one that always sticks out to me is like guy like still getting checks from girl for a long time when he yeah should you know was not was not skating or whatever but you know then there's yeah. a lot of like terry kennedy situations where it was like that was all bad all around for everyone you know yeah. and it is yeah. it's it's gross and it's true there is the, there is that side of it that you know you can get a check from a company for years and they don't really expect much of you and um you can say that's nice but they're also selling a board with your name or a product or you know using you your name in some kind of a way True. so it's you can look at it both ways for sure yeah that's interesting i i that i would like to talk to your wife about the the differences because that that yeah. seems that seems really interesting to me so uh yeah. in in the book uh like sort of the interstitial is a pod is a tr- pod a podcast yeah. transcript. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, how much are you? Because you travel a lot. Are you listening mm-hmm. to a ton of podcasts? Like, are you like a oh, true sure. crime junkie? Like, uh, no. That that's so that was that part was fascinating to me. Yeah. So, so I I will say I mean I love uh, I love podcasts obviously, and I especially love the the type that are you know sort of the serial investigative. I'm I haven't gone down a like a wormhole of just being like full true true crime junkie in any kind of way i like but i i I listen to a lot of just interviews but i I definitely love the this american life format storytelling and so the character nina i had her working at a uh you know like a radio station yeah it was very npr very definitely yeah like an npr type type radio station and she's like working there but not really a producer she just like proof listens and does kind of like busy body work and so she of course wants to produce her own so she sort of like capitalizes on this like my love interest has disappeared and I think there's a lot of weird shit going on and I'm gonna you know like dive in in this kind of way so yeah every chapter starts with a snippet from snippet transcript from what would be like this longer form podcast that I kind of like leave open-ended you know it's like it sort of starts and then the story plays out but it's happening uh the, the story happened before so it's kind of it's right. just a fun way to like tease out things in a different way have shows you know have some like different reveals happen in the podcast form versus just like this normal narrative so it was just a device i hadn't really seen in a book and i thought it'd be fun yeah i, I, was, I liked it cool yeah, yeah. as a podcaster i'm, I'm glad uh, you're, yeah you're well i don't <laughs> something that's cool is is i don't read a lot of um like current fiction really Mm -hmm. like a lot of like if I'm reading something that came out in the last decade it's like normally nonfiction. so sort of like characters with like being on on like having iPhones and like podcasts and stuff is like that's still sort of novel for me because mostly I'm still just like reading my college reading lists or whatever because there's there's so many great books in the world you never have time to read enough of them so I, I uh and I I was a creative writing major in college so I, yeah, I just, I so wh- while that was happening, I was, while I'm writing, you know, these short stories and stuff in college, I'm like, all this technology is just going to change so much about how we view fiction and how our brains process all this. Like, I, there's got to yeah. be a lot of like horrible fiction written in the mid 2000s about what people thought communication and technology was going to be. And I feel like it's, it's more crystallized and was done, yeah. was done well in your book, how characters communicate with each other. Yeah, cool. I know. I think what has been a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say what's been a difficulty is really having the characters because the two main characters I've 
made have things happen to them but they're off line in a sense like they aren't instagram people and i feel like for both stories there'd be a lot that would just be like easier if they just had instagram you know but because they don't it makes them more of an anomaly and it makes things happen in a different kind of way like just you know like oh if, if mo just was an instagrammer constantly you'd be more up to date on his life and you know where he was and it, it, he wouldn't be disappear he wouldn't disappear i mean he could like, he could have generated plenty of affiliate deals he, like mo yeah. this dude he's an interesting <laughs> dude he's handsome in the book like yeah. this like he could have become an, inf- an influencer skateboarder yeah. for sure totally yeah so there there is this sort of like i'm writing about i'm like hearkening back to when like there wasn't there there wasn't these like easy tools for some of the characters so i feel like what's trickier I don't know. I've just, I've just played with that. It's like they live in the world where all that technology is normal, but they sort of remain like a little bit rooted in the past. If that makes any sense. Yeah, um, I like that. I mean, that's like kind of the that's kind of the vibe you get from Mo, anyways. Is that yeah. he would have he would have really thrived before iPhones yeah. Yeah, were a yeah, thing. Yeah. What was your what was uh writing like? You know, you're you're filming skateboarding at the same time. Although I guess yeah. there was a lot of downtime during covid uh or more so than there would have been in a normal year but like are you are you like filming clips for eight hours and then coming home and like banging out a couple pages it's more the other way around like i wake up really early and do some writing in the morning um so like today from like eight to nine i like picked away at this this new one i'm working on and then um yeah that's that's pretty much it every now and then like when it comes down to the end I'll like really clock in and, and spend more hours like and meaning like I'm revising and I, I got my notes back from the copy editor and I'm like really changing things. Um, but the actual getting words on the page uh, happens in the morning. Okay. That's and interesting. I just, like, I... I just pick away like little by little, you know, like I'm, I'm not one of these people that really maybe I'm sort of ADD or something, but I can't just like, all right, five hours. I'm just cranking it out. You know, like I, I really just like let things let the ideas come and and try to make it natural and fun and not feel forced if that makes any sense what was uh what's okay so like what's your strategy for keeping everything straight like are you developing a linear narrative and going backwards like to me that's always seemed like one of the hardest things like like uh like for maybe a a literary novel like yours it's maybe not as difficult but i've always wanted like these science fiction writers yeah it's like you're you're like you have like all these complex things going on like how are you like making you know everything agree with each other across 300 pages that seems crazy totally yeah and i actually just finished reading my friend wrote like a sci-fi novel and i i finished reading him uh finished reading it and just gave him notes yesterday and um yeah, I mean, I had so many questions for him too. It's like, all right, what is the rule in this on this planet? Like, you've set up the rules. Like, does it always apply? It didn't really seem like it did, or like, you know, little things like that. Like, just making sh- it. It just seems overwhelming. So for me, you know, I definitely this one was complicated because I had these two timelines happening. Right. I had this like timeline of of when she's writing the writing slash producing this podcast, and then I have the timeline of like when everything happened. And they were really tight. Like everything had to like fit. So I have an Excel sheet that like I was doing it on. So like I have like dates and then what's happening for each character. So I, I did like 
<laughs> kind of go in a, in that way but normally it's I think, just like, i think that's kind of common to do yeah. to do like uh just like an actual like write out the key events and then fill in the text through yeah. there yeah but for the most part it's just these like these moleskins you know like i just sort of like i oh that's very little... that's very brooding handsome skateboarder on the subway <laughs> of you to have a moleskin full of never on the, never on the subway <laughs> but basically it's like i just sort of jot out a rough outline of what i would want to put what what i want to happen next or like all right here's let me just summarize it the whole story once again for myself it's like each chapter is a sentence so i can keep that sort of fresh you know but I don't necessarily refer back to them. It's just sort of like crank out an idea. Right. And then, um, so I kind of have a, a guideline in a sense. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, last thing I want to ask you about. I yeah. uh, A trend that I think is awesome in skateboarding, which is uh, you got you and uh, Dr. Kyle Brown do this on Old Friends Fitness. You guys have a Patreon that's a lot about rehabbing like specific skateboarding injuries i i have to credit dr andrew huberman who's been on uh the nine club obviously he's got his own thing that's like the biggest podcast in the world right now pretty much yeah, like every time you, up. It's like you meet you meet like a 28 year old dude who's got a jug of water and he's like do you listen to huberman bro it's like <laughs> which is a conversation i love to have because i think there's it's just this is my favorite trend ever in skateboarding yeah. it's like dudes taking their mental and physical health so seriously and like getting eight hours of sleep and like getting sunlight <laughs> in their eyes so i yeah. my i guess the question would be one like are you seeing are you seeing that like are you guys like at sessions are people talking about like yeah I, you know i'm taking my magnesium and getting my sleep right <laughs> to like keep my health good and is that something that we'd like you know to to extend skateboarding like i feel like it's super important that dudes should be doing this like are they yeah i mean i was at so i was at columbus circle the skate spot today and this up-and-coming ripper who i've seen like a couple clips from who's definitely like really sick i don't know how old he is I'm, I'm guessing early 20s you know he gets pulls up to the spot and starts swinging his legs which is like the the type of um warm-up stretching it is stretching it doesn't look like it but that's what uh kyle brown dr yeah, kyle brown calls dynamic, dynamic stretching yeah so just to see that going down is like a good sign and i see that constantly you know i see like young skaters who are super serious about their you know like pre pre-skate warm-up slash workout they're like off day workout you know like the kind of strengthening work workouts they're doing and definitely definitely diet i mean i feel like diet in the lifestyle of a skater doesn't quite align like skaters still want to be like having a bunch of beers and like eating a bunch of shitty food eating fast food yeah, yeah. but i i feel like there's definitely a conscious effort happening and it's i don't want to go so far as to say it's cool but it's definitely accepted to take better care of your body than when i was coming out I feel like people just like didn't care. No, no one cared. Like, no yeah, one cared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like beers, beers at eight o'clock in the morning for sure on, yeah. on any skate trip like that. That's just what you did. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. That's nice well, to see. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Uh, I really appreciate the time. The book is off Clark. It's very, very good. I would, I'd recommend it. Uh, honestly, actually, it's probably even better if you if you are not big into skateboarding, which I don't think anyone who listens to this show is big into skateboarding. So that'll be cool. Nice. Um, 
Yeah. It's, well, dude, uh, thank it's... you so much. And that means a lot to hear because you mean better than the first one. Oh, well, th- yeah, it was a better, it was a bit. Be- so I, I meant it was, it is better than the first one, in my opinion. Cool. I like no, that. no, sh- I like no that. shade on the, I just think you learned more and got, I, I think it's also like a more uh, compelling narrative too. Like cool. the, the, yeah. it was, it was a cool story. And, uh, but I actually think it's better if you aren't really into skateboarding. I, I actually see, yeah. think, I actually think it's a cooler story if you're like learning about skateboarding through this book. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was definitely, that's definitely in the back of my mind when I'm writing this. Like, all right, what would the non-skater think or take away? And um, yeah, no, it really means a lot that you uh, just read the thing, you know? I mean, I always just say to people when they reach out, tell me that they enjoyed it. Just like, thank you for even reading it. So yeah, hell yeah, dude. Well, the book is off Clark. You can also read the top of Mason and you can uh, check out more of walker's cool shit on oldfriendsandco.com they got a patreon you can uh get a bunch of cool stretching peeling type but i mean a lot look a lot of us get a little bit older and the nicks and scratches stick around a little bit longer they have some cool gear on there that i bought and used it's all it's all good uh everyone thank you very much for listening and uh we'll be back next week bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.